0: The Naked Scientist. Doctor, how are you doing today?
1: I'm in good shape and I'm enthusiastic about the rugby too. So uh, we're going to have to differ in I our opinions like of where it's going to go. Huh?
0: I feel like you were siding with France. Just tell us now so we know where we stand with you.
1: No, I, I, my allegiance is to South Africa on this one. I want to see, I want to see South Africa win.
0: We need this as a country, we need this world. Well,
1: quite. I mean, it used to, the, the effect that the World Cup had when it was just hosted in South Africa, it, every, everything, the mood of the nation lifted, didn't it? And um, I was there just in the aftermath and, and there was still this warm glow around the country. It had a huge positive effect and I think this will also help to move things in that direction.
0: All right, let's get to some of the questions. Tommy says, hi, Dr. Chris. I believe intestinal cells turn over every three to five days. If you have gut issues, can one use fasting and autophagy to overhaul your old ones and get kitted out with fresh new ones?
1: Well, it's quite right that the intestinal cells, the lining cells, every everything from the mouth to the bottom end grow very very fast and you said yourself last week that when you had an ulcer in your mouth or bit yourself in your over enthusiastic eating that you were surprised how quickly it healed up and because everything we put in our mouths does a bit of damage as we're chewing it because food is rough it goes through you a bit like a doormat or a scouring pad you compensate by having a very fast regeneration time for your cells they grow incredibly rapidly and this heals up old wounds and so on there are however some disorders of the intestine where inflammation does damage that can't be repaired like this and I'm thinking of inflammatory bowel disease as one example and under those circumstances it's more complicated than just making things grow faster. You actually need to take away the cause of the inflammation and in the case of things like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, We don't know exactly what the mechanisms of these diseases are, but what we do know is it's probably some kind of over-exuberant immune response. And when people go on to what's called an elemental diet, and this is where, rather than just fasting, because at the end of the day, fasting makes people miserable, it's not good for your health in some respects, so what they do is go on to a very simple diet that is almost like astronaut food. It's just got the key ingredients for healthy living in it and no bells and whistles. And after a period on that, people's intestinal problems tend to settle down. And then what gastroenterologists do is reintroduce small amounts of of new things on a a slow and steady basis until you get a disease flare up. And then this can sometimes prove what it is that's causing the problem often you don't get a disease flare-up and people are able to then eat a healthy, normal diet again for at least a period of time until they do get a flare-up and then they can reset the system. So we don't know exactly why this happens, but it's almost certainly because of something to do with the microbiome and inflammation feeding back on itself. But fasting is probably not the answer because many of these conditions need a longer-term intervention than than you could fast for. So re- restricting diet down to the, the bare essentials the elemental diet is one way to gain control of diseases like that to start with.
0: All right, let's go to Josie from Benoni. Hi, Josie. Hi, Doctor Chris. Hi, Hi. How often do recurrences occur? And the last question is: What is the longest lived cancer survivor with recurrences? Thank you. i listen on the radio. Thank you so much, Josie. And I mean, this cancer question comes often, especially because we speak so much about how technology has advanced. So I can completely understand the frustration there. Mm.
1: Well, the first point is that cancer is incredibly common. And one person in two, and yes, you did hear that correctly, one person in two listening to this program is going to have a brush with that disease. It's the leading cause of death, the leading single cause of death when you lump all cancers together. And it's a genetic condition. It's where the mechanisms that repair your DNA go wrong so your DNA slowly accumulates genetic changes or damage through the process of mutation that renders it able to start disobeying its own rules so cells, instead of being told not to grow, escape and start to grow where they shouldn't and they ignore signals to kill themselves so they carry on growing where they shouldn't. And the reason that we haven't cured cancer yet is because unlike, say, a bacterial infection, let's take tuberculosis as as a common example, there are so many differences between the tuberculosis bacterial cells and human cells. They look different, they work differently, they have biochemical and genetic differences. It's relatively easy to make drugs which can exploit those differences and selectively harm the bacterial cell and leave the human cells alone. The problem is with cancer that the cause of the problem is it's your own cells. So if you give drugs that hit human cells, you hit all of your body and hurt that. If you try to home in just on the type of cell that the cancer is coming from, you nevertheless are still doing damage to the type of cell and the type of tissue and the type of organ that those cells came from. So it's really one of really achieving selective vulnerability in the cancer in order to treat it and that's the direction that medicine is trying to pursue we're trying to find differences between the unhealthy cancer cells and their healthy counterparts to exploit those differences with new drugs in the same way as we exploit differences between bacterial cells and human cells with effective antibiotics to try to get rid of the cancer But there are other wrinkles. In the same way with tuberculosis that one of the reasons that is hard to treat and you have to go on treatment for often six months in order to suppress the disease is that the cells aren't always active all the time and so when you give the antibiotics sometimes the bacteria are not receptive to the antibiotics because they are dormant. There are similarly cancer cells that give rise to growing tumours that go through phases or cycles when they are more or less active and therefore they are more or less sensitive to drugs that may wipe out those cancers so getting rid of the cancer is also difficult from that perspective and then there's the question of once it started to spread around the body as, as we've just been hearing, it can spread to a range of different organs and different cancers tend to have a predilection to go to different parts of the body. When they're there, they can do damage to those targets themselves, which means that in trying to cure the cancer, you end up doing even more damage. And they can also lurk in those sites undetected for long periods of time. And the evidence we have is that very early on in the course of, of a cancer, the disease may spread very, very early on but it might not then become manifest as a growing tumour until many years later. It might indolently develop in a site, but it might not grow aggressively. So cancer is a very long-term disease. Although we talk about something that happens and then you're diagnosed with it, probably the roots of that cancer, the seeds of that cancer, were sown maybe two or three decades before you're actually diagnosed because it takes a long time for the disease to develop. So we're really trying to do a number of things when we treat cancer. We're trying to treat a disease which is very hard to single out from among the mass of healthy cells in your body. We're trying to prevent the cancer recurring by getting rid of the stem cells that caused it. We're trying to clean up the cancer cells that have spread to other bits of the body before they begin to cause problems. And then we've also got to stop the process that caused the cancer to happen in the first place and stop new cancers cropping up in the meantime in the face of a very, very common condition that may present differently in different ways in different tissues in every single different person. So it is a really tough nut to crack. But we are getting much, much better, and people are now living much, much longer with cancer to the extent that we now regard cancer as not of something that you're cured from, but which you live with with it under control. In the same way as you live with high blood pressure and it's under control because you take a tablet which keeps it under control with few side effects, we now regard cancer in a similar sort of way. We try to keep cancer under control with few side effects so that a person can enjoy a long, healthy life and a long, healthy health span as well.
0: As we wrap up with Dr Chris Smith on The Naked Scientist, Charles from Boxburg. Hi good day um hello dr chris my question is to do with i've got a heat replacement i had a heat replacement and i've noticed every time when the weather is going to change because i'm going to get cloudy or it's going to rain or cold the next day i start feeling pain the day before how is it connected to i don't know is it science or is it how is, how is, how is that connection
1: Hi Charles. Well there's a couple of things to consider here. One is you have to be really careful not to be biased by recall bias. This is where you attach significance to a coincidence. You notice the occasions when things do seem to align in a certain way. Uh, Oh I've got pain and it rained the next day. I'm almost uncannily able to predict that but you disregarded the five million times that that didn't happen. Because as a human race, we've evolved to learn by looking for associations and relationships between cause and event or cause and effect something happens something else then happens as a result and we connect the dots that's how we learn and sometimes we apply that inappropriately and we make false associations between things So one has got to be really careful about that but are there any other factors that could be coming into play well we know that when the weather changes people do tend to change their behaviour perhaps in the time leading up to a bad change in the weather the weather's better so people may do more or when it gets colder they may adapt accordingly and it's the change in their behaviour that then means that their joints are used differently, that then mean they feel different the next day. So it's not that your body somehow knows that something is, is uh, going to change with the weather, it's that you alter your behaviour because the situation is now different and that in turn has a knock-on effect the following day uh, for the reasons I've outlined.
0: Thank you so much, Charles, for that question. Very quickly, a doctor, there is a WhatsApp that says, how do you deal with chronic constipation in children? My kids suffer weekly, please advise.
1: Well, the best thing to do, having ruled out that there's nothing a a miss here this is this is normal it's just one of those problematic things but there's no major ill health cause for this so putting that to one side the best thing to do is not to reach for the medicine jar the best thing to do is to look at the diet of the child because the reason we do or don't get constipated most commonly is because of how much soluble fiber there is in what we're eating now some kids are really fussy eaters, and they don't like all the things they should be eating to keep things working well downstairs. And one of the best things you can do is to eat more fruit and eat more vegetables. It's roughage basically. It's stuff which has got indigestible cellulose in it. That's the hard woody stuff that makes when you eat uh, uh, something it's crunchy and chewy. That's the components that that help to bind water they can't be broken down by our digestive tract and so they stay as solids in the intestine but because they love water, they bind water and that keeps things soft and if you don't have enough of those things in your diet then the, the colon absorbs too much water from the food and it leaves what's left behind much drier and harder and therefore it's hard to pass and because it's uncomfortable, people tend to put off going and because they put off going, things stay there for even longer getting even drier and harder and it becomes even more uncomfortable so it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the first thing to do, look at the diet and look at things you can put into the diet, even if you mush them up so people don't know they're there, that are full of soluble fiber, fruits and vegetables, great way to start. And that will help to solve the problem naturally.
0: Thank you uh, so much, Dr. Chris Smith. We we are back together next week as we uh, continue with all these interesting science related questions with The Naked Scientist.